You're listening to The Dollop. This is a bi-weekly American history podcast. Each week, I, Dave Anthony. Did I do that right? Yeah, so, so far. far? Can we, yeah, re, yeah, yeah, read a story. Read a story from American history to my friend. Gareth Reynolds, who has no idea what the topic is going to be about. What is that? Train. That's a train? Yeah. You don't got trains where you live? I didn't realize we lived in like the Ohio in the middle of uh What you you think is yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah, look with a voice like that you could be the train barker. We need some of those. That's what we need. The guy who's you know just shouts, Train's coming. Move, stupid Is this a thing? Is this a position that I'm like workshopping it. (laughs) I'm hoping it will be. God, you want to hit a dude? I'll do one bottle. <laughs> people say this is funny? Not Gary Guerra. Dave, okay. Someone or something is tickling people. Is it for fun? And this is not going to become the Tickling Podcast. Okay. You are Queen Fakey of Made Up Town. All hail Queen Shit of Liesville. A bunch of religious virgins go to mingle. And do what? Pray. Hi, Gary. No. Nicely done, my friend. No. December 21st, Ooh. 1921. December 21st? Yeah, I did a... Colin did a, Firth calendar? Is it uh, Daffy Duck that uh, talks like that? That's close. Yeah. Uh, December 21st, 19 what? 21. Okay. The year of our Lord. Uh, Ferdinand Waldo DeMara was born in Lawrence, Massachusetts. Okay. Also uh, you're warm, warming it up. Also known as Larry, Massachusetts. That's right. To his friends. Uh, the family is well off when he was born, but when his father lost a bunch of money in the Great Depression, they ended up moving to a poor neighborhood. Okay. Sad story so far. Yeah. While uh, he was living there, he had a very important moment in his life. He tricked a store owner into giving him and his friends free chocolates. Okay. Another time, he found some fake legs... Like the necro current, pants? No, no, these are uh, fake legs. Not necro pants are real legs you put on. Uh, they don't feel skin. like skin. Oh, okay, uh, so uh, like the kind that could be a new come online. What? Let me wear your necro pants. I don't think it's a come online. I think that's a threat. Let me get in your legs. That's a threat. Oh, Trains here. Train I got to take this one. Uh, so, uh, no, like the kind you would see in a, in a window display back then, you know, with like, Oh, just like like a set of games. Yeah. Like a set of legs with socks on them. Sure. Stockings. stockings, Right. Uh, so uh, he found them in the trash. So he took them and put them. So they were sticking out of a snowbank on a busy road. Okay. And so, uh, and then he just sat back and enjoyed the reactions of people slamming on their brakes and jumping out of their cars to save the person who had been crushed by the snowbank or whatever. Honey, this lady with great stockings is dying. Uh, he did the prank over and over. He, he enjoyed uh, tricking people. He liked pranking. Yeah. Okay. This is about the show Punked. Uh, all right. <laughs> Fred? Ashton Kutcher was born. Uh, Fred was a big kid. He uh, Have you ever heard the Wilder, Wilmer Valderrama uh, thing where uh, they um, they had uh, a prank done on him where he came out and he had a, like a, a Porsche, like a very expensive Porsche and some kid was like smashing it 
And Will DeVomeron just beat the crap out of the kid. The kid was like 12. There, there are a few. <laughs> there, there's, there's a Frankie Muniz one where they mess with his Porsche. And yeah. you're just like, well, I don't know why he signed a release form for this. Yeah. Because he, I mean, you're just like, you're, he's like 17. He's like, bro, are you serious, bro? Are you serious right now? You're like, uh, get over here, Frank. <laughs> oh, anyway, back to our story. Sure. So Fred was a big kid. Uh, he, well, I know his name's Fernand, but he was called Fred. Sure. Uh, Fred was a big kid. He started playing uh, football at his Catholic high school when he was 14. But he never made the starting lineup because he didn't take the coach's orders seriously. Is that important? I mean, the to, coaches, some, to some coaches. The coaches like that? Some do. Some, okay. Most don't. That's interesting. Uh, he read a lot, but he didn't study for school very much. So okay. side reading, as they call it in the business. Sure. He was said to be a very entertaining talker and very religious. Okay. And Fred ran away from home when he was 16, ends up in Rhode Island, uh, in a very small town that had a Cistercian monastery. Sure. A Cistercian monastery. Yeah, that's where they do Cistercianing. Yeah. Cist- yeah. Cist- yeah. Cistercianations. Yep. yep. All the different yep. cist. Uh, you know, as, as sorry, yeah, no, as we're going through it, I'm thinking. Uh-huh. While you and I know what Cistercian monasteries mean, right? do some of the listeners maybe not know? A lot of them probably don't. <laughs> Idiots, why don't you tell these dumbasses? Morons. Yeah, tell them what a Cistercian monastery is. I mean, it's a It's guy. where you can talk. Yeah, you do stuff with people. Aren't you sick of not talking? Um, let's see if it says right here. It doesn't. It's cool. So I go to the, I go to the Cambridge app, and it, it just doesn't have a... It's fine. Yeah, people don't care. That would just be great to get a monk to talk. I remember when I any was a, monk. Uh, yeah, like well, a silent monk. Uh, a Cistercian is a member of the Cistercian order. Oh, all a right. Re- I hope that clears it up for everyone. A religious order of monks and nuns. So they're monks, uh, known as the Trappists. What? Uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, it just sounds like a fancy name for whatever. <laughs> Cistercian. Sounds like they do uh, agricultural work, or they did. Okay. So they're monks of the land. Cistercian by name, white monk, or Bernardine, member of Roman Catholic monastic order that was founded in uh, 1098 and named after the original establishment at Situ, Latin Cistercium. Okay. A local of Burgundy. Oh, so it's just the place. Oh, okay. There we there go. go. <laughs> Long road to home. Oh boy, uh, how how much was that not worth it? That's why we don't. We Google. dig and we dig and we dig. That's why we don't Google things here on the dollop. Um, so he joined the monastery as a novice, which meant he was clothed in monk's robes and officially became a member of the order. But it would be at least five or six years before he took the vows. So that is quite an internship. So he's like a pledge in a motorcycle gang. Right. So they're giving him all the stuff. Yeah. He gets to wear... He gets all to the wear upside. The, you get the robe. You get the silence. Yeah. yeah. You get the quiet. All the, you get all that upside, you to, you but to, you just... You don't have to fully commit yet. You have five years of a sort of... Um, let's see. Yeah, trying it on. Yeah, sort of... Put a, on the robe every day. A monk rumspringer. Right. A monk springer. Uh, he didn't make it. After four years, Fred left. Four years you put in, and then when you're one year away, you bailed? Dude, it was, you know... It, Come on. It seemed all you're right. You're a second semester it... senior. Right? It's nothing but free periods. Ugh. 
Well, uh, he left in 1944, uh, 1941. World War II was coming, and Fred enlisted in the army. Okay. But. They gave him all the equipment and guard, but he wouldn't be a soldier for six years. Six years. Five, he quit. But it turns out Fred did not like life in the army, and so he went AWOL. Okay. Now, because he deserted, he needed a new name, so he took the identity of an army friend named Anthony Ignolia. So wait, he... This, so this guy likes the path of least resistance. I mean, he's definitely finding it. <laughs> he likes, he, he like. I mean, he's, and maybe got some commitment issues. Maybe, yeah. But so he, so he just goes AWOL and takes his buddy's existence. Yeah. Who, who, if I'm reading this correctly, is already in the army. Yeah. But he took his name and then just bailed. I got to take this flight. <laughs> I missed so, my train because of the podcast. So as Anthony... He joined the Navy. What? The week after Pearl Harbor. Okay. He Does was, he think that this is... Uh, okay. Because he thinks that the Navy will be different than the Army. The Army was the worst. I'm not I'm not made for something like that. I, I got a be, new name. Oh, uh, you know what would be great if I was in the Army but on a boat? I got a new name, a new take, a new life. I'm doing the Navy now. Not an idiot. I'm Anthony. He was trained as a hospital corpsman, but at some point he realized he would be landing on a beach in a war, right? So he's being trained to basically be a, it sounds like a medic. Yeah. So he's getting off the fucking boat. Tough, rush, tough. Rushing the beach. Tough position. Yeah. And he realizes that people will be shooting at him. So he decides to create a college background for himself, which would let him apply for officer candidate school. So then he wouldn't be one of the guys rushing the beach. Because he's, Be he's got to go learn it. Right. As an officer, you're not one of the first guys off that fucking so boat. So if he, if he gets into these officer courses and takes them, then he doesn't need to get off the boat. Yeah. So Smart. Okay, so he makes up this college background. He's now a graduate of Iowa State College, and he had a letter from Senator Capper of Kansas who praised his character. How did he get the letter? He just fucking, I don't know. He, I don't know how he got that letter, but he, he managed to, he might have just written it. Yeah, okay, that seems like the best version. Uh, but he did not include enough mathematics in his scholastic history, and he was turned down. So, okay. Uh, you so know, he's not very good at the forging. We all business. make mistakes. Yeah. Okay. It didn't stop, Fred. Did, from what? He's not doing anything. He doctored another transcript of credits, including one with more math. Fred was an amateur when it came to forging documents, and the Navy realized the credentials were counterfeit. Okay. And so he ran for it. Well, time to get a new name. <laughs> <laughs> he went back to what he was familiar with, and he joined a Cister Cistercian monastery. No, what? The Trappist of uh, the Abbey of Our Lady Gethsemane in Louisville, Kentucky. There's other options. No, he than being go where you're a monk or go where you're comfortable. Go to the army, army or monk. Those are he the really things. wants a crew of pals. This is the forties. This guy just wants a crew of pals. He wants some bros. He wants some bros to he kick it with. He wants to hang with bros. He wants bros. Then he joined a biker gang. Then he joined the Sharks. This time he used the name Robert Linton French. Okay. So this was that. also a person whose identity he took. Okay. Hold on, I gotta catch this flight. No, that's mine, I think. I missed my last one. That's the chopper. 
Oh, people are gonna this this podcast. You might get the feel of what it's like to live in Los Angeles with helicopters flying over your head all the time. I told you that story when I was in England, and my my family saw a helicopter, and you would have thought that Ringo Starr was walking down the street. And I was like, "What?" I was like, "Guys, no, they're not good where I live. There's like two above me at all times. Like, what are you up to, asshole?" Hey, dude, what are you doing? Okay, so okay, so French was uh, this French guy, Robert. French. Which is still Anthony, who is still Fred. Right, it's still Fred. Right. So Anthony's gone now. Now he's uh, well. I mean, French. he's not gone. He's still a man. Okay, that's true. He hasn't. When he takes people's identities, they don't vanish. No. Yeah. Crime. He's not, yeah. He's not like a soul collector. <laughs> I've got Anthony. What's next? So French was a graduate from the University of Michigan with a PhD in psychology from Stanford. He learned the background, Fred learned the background of French from a college catalog, and then got copies of documents using the mail, like birth certificates and university credentials. So he just scoped this dude in the back of so a he, magazine, and he was like, I'll be him. He goes through a college catalog, he finds a guy who's smart and accomplished, and then he figures out where he's from, and hey, he was born here, and he gets just, rights and said, I need a new birth certificate, and just does all that shit. He's just hitting the identity theft lottery. Fucking nailing it. So next he goes to Chicago, where he entered the Clerics of St. Viator, an order of Catholic teachers, and studied philosophy and ethics at DePaul University. He studied ethics. It's, weird, he? That he, it's weird that he is studying ethics, ethics, is he? It's a little bit ironic. I want to he... teach people what is right and wrong. <laughs> Hello, my name's Robert French. He got straight A's. He, but uh, actual earned straight A's? Yeah, no, he got okay, he nailed so, it. So now, well, Robert, Robert got them. What? Robert Fred Anthony. Robert Fred Anthony French. Quote, maybe the instructors were impressed by my PhD. Well, you didn't have one. Well, yes, he did, because he's Robert French. Right, right. He has a PhD. So he he's method. He loses himself <laughs> in the character. I think he does. One day when he was parking a car at a railroad station in Chicago while wearing his Roman collar... A bunch of Navy sailors came out of the station. Oh, boy. Fred recognized them as his beach battalion and was very worried they would recognize him and give him up, but they passed him by. Okay. That's a little hairy. Yeah, that's nerve-wracking. Um, but as he got closer to taking the holy orders and becoming ordained, so he's he's getting closer to becoming a priest, right? Or, is he, uh, now he's he's going he's in he's in he's a mon he's in the monastery. He, he, no, he's in a he's in he's at uh, DePaul University, but he's studying. He's studying. Okay, gotcha. To become gotcha. Uh, okay, a cleric or whatever. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, whatever. Yeah, priest situation. Yeah, big big shit monk. Big shit monk. By the way, which is a new show coming out on MTV. It's going to be great. Hey, everyone. It's me, Big Shit Monk. M Monk. Monk. It's already ruined. Huh? <laughs> we canceled? <laughs> I, I took the vow of silence. I shouldn't even be doing this shit. Get my agent on the phone. So, he, so he, he's becoming close to being ordained, and he can't take it. Quote, in this little game I was playing... There always comes a time when you find yourself getting into deep. Now, Fred was actually super religious, so what he was doing was too much. He was about to be ordained as a Vitorian priest. So once again, he bailed. So he is... So he actually starts feeling bad as he gets to the is point... Is he Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hot? Like, how is he... These sway... Like, who... 
No shit. He starts feel he starts feeling weird inside, like up until a point, and then when it, like when he, because because then it's between him and God, right? Like if he's being ordained, then it's like a then it's between him and God, and he can't. Then you've got the certificate that you're lying to God, right? Yeah. So uh, he bails. I think he's got commitment issues. Wherever Fred was, he always kept a stash of money in case he had to make a quick exit. He okay. called this his mad money. Okay. All righty. Okay. Next. Uh, he's really pious. Next, he went to Erie, Pennsylvania and taught psychology at Gannon University. Okay, so he now... <laughs> he's teaching psychology. Okay. He's, again, I think he's still Robert French, yeah? Yeah. Uh, after that, because Robert French... But he's been learning about psychology. Wow. After that, he moved <laughs> to Los Angeles and got a job. So when he would teach, he would, he would stay a chapter ahead. He would read the chapter the week before and then teach them the next week. That's how he taught. It's airtight. <laughs> after, after that, he moved to Los Angeles and got a job as an orderly at the Brothers of St. John of God's Sanitarium. Okay. Then once again... Well, that's quite a name. Yeah, that's a long one. <laughs> this is God's Sanitarium. Brothers of St. John... Of God's sanitarium. Okay. Then once again, using the identity of Robert French, he got another job teaching psychology, this time at a college near Olympia, Washington. Now, he's never studied psychology. Right. Okay. So he reads the book, studies a chapter, and stays a week ahead. And, and Heck, what can go wrong with this plan? Well, for the first time in his life since, since the Navy, he felt safe. He liked his life there, and he decided this is what he was going to do. He's going to settle permanently. Robert French's. Well, yes. Right. As Robert French, he's now just going to... You know, I think I've just been a little crazy as Robert French. Time for Robert French to settle down. Robert French will have the omelet. I'm um, Robert French. He didn't. I don't think he talked in a... Tis I, Robert French, for sure. Fair. How could it be anyone else? He was very popular at the college. Robert French, party of me. <laughs> and made... He made a lot of influential friends in the town, one of whom was the local sheriff. Okay. Always someone you want to befriend. They became very close, and the sheriff made Fred a special deputy so Fred could enforce the laws around campus. As Fred? As Robert. So this is like a Breaking Bad situation he's got going on here. He's He's flying too close to the sun. Being popular in the area, Fred So made... now he's just a cop? Well, he's, he's a he's, campus cop? He's a campus cop as well as a, a popular professor at the local college. Uh, interesting. Uh, By day, he teaches psychology that he doesn't know. By night, he enforces the laws under a name It's not his. <laughs> he is the bullshit artist. So, so he's super popular, right? So popular that he starts... Going around making speeches in support of the sheriff who was running for office again. Okay. But one day, the sheriff showed up on campus and arrested Fred and handed him over to the FBI. Yeah, okay. That, I, that, I mean, that, that really, like, that's what I was, you, you just can't get cocky if you're in that situation. Like, look, no. you got a great life as Robert French, okay? Yeah. Teach your bullshit. Stay a chapter ahead. Don't start hanging with the cops. You don't need to be campaigning. Don't become a cop. You need a spotlight on you. The ego on you, French. Uh, when he came in uh, to the sheriff's office and saw the two FBI agents, one looked at Fred and said, Hello, Ferdinand. Mm. Fred's true identity had been discovered, and he was wanted for going AWOL. Fred defended himself at the court-martial. 
but he really had no chance. It was an open and shut case. He spent a year and a half in the U.S. disciplinary barracks in California. And while he was in the barracks, the Army discharged him. So that's nice. <laughs> nice. Finally, closure. Uh, when he was let out, Fred went home to Lawrence, Massachusetts. But he wasn't there for long. Once again, using college catalogs and what? then reaching out to different agencies for documents, Fred became biologist Dr. Cecil Hammond, who lived in Kentucky. Now he's doing. Now he's lying about biology. He's a biologist now. <laughs> it's so fun. You know, I think I'm a biologist. <laughs> so that's Fred. done. Glad I figured that out. Fred was very good. I'm at, a pilot today. I am a pilot. This is going to be a weird one, you Here guys. Here we go. Fred was very good at stealing an identity. In as little as 10 days, he could do it. He even managed to get uh, Heyman's birth certificate, even though he didn't know what city Hammond had been born in. He wrote the state statistics office with a sob story, telling them he'd been abandoned and didn't know where he was from. And they told him, and, and then he wrote and got the certificate. <laughs> You got to train people to know, like, I'm just, uh, I don't even know where I am or from. I don't think you could do this anymore. Hello. I mean, although people still do it all the time. Like, they call up Amazon and they just talk to him and they get all your information. I'm trying to be strong through this time, but I just, my name's Hammond and I don't know where I'm from. Using his new identity, Fred got a job as an orderly at a Harvard-affiliated eye and ear hospital. Oh, boy. Remember, he took the he took the identity of Dr. Cecil Hammond. Oh, boy. While he did this, Fred went to night school and studied law at Northeastern. What, what is his deal? He, he's, he's a jack of no trades. Why, I, when you said he's studying at night, the only assumption one could make is that he's in the field that he's now currently... Stuck no, in the stunning law lies of, but instead he's like, no, 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 no. Well, he didn't. He just wanted. To... I got these eyes and ears down pretty pat. I just feel like when the malpractice so, shit hits the fan, I want to be ready to go. So he's been to prison, right? So he he wants to figure out ways to do this again without getting caught. So he's studying law, not as with the goal of becoming a lawyer. He's studying law to because he's going to have to defend himself and his actions in court eventually, <laughs> and he knows this. Uh, but he only completed uh, the first year. He thought a formal education was bullshit compared to hands-on experience. Well, so that's he believes, not, not true. He, but well, for stuff like acting, like I would recommend you don't go to acting school, but I would recommend you know you can get hands-on experience hey, doing hey, different things. Hey, but I can't a biologist, get those four years back, asshole. But a biologist is different. A biologist yeah, I is certainly a weirder. Don't think, yeah, or a doctor, Doctor Hammond, is different. Well. But I would also say that you're probably going to pick up... I mean, you're going to pick up a lot of big things just by being thrown into the cobra pit anyway. That's true. I mean, you're probably going to be like, oh, I've seen this before. Just, you got to categorize that. Fred then left Boston and moved to Alfred, Maine. I think he's picking places just based on... Al! Alfred, Lawrence. Yeah. Just, yeah. Well, he's, he's probably going to... Ste- within no time, his name is going to be Lawrence Alfred. Well, there he jumped back into the religious existence. So he's back into... This time, it was as part of a teaching order, the Brothers of Christian Instruction. The brothers were very excited 
to have such a, quote, highly qualified man in the order. The biologist Hammond. Yeah, doctor, right. the biologist Dr. 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 Hammond. Quote, I was regarded as a windfall. They rolled out the red carpet and all the bells in the place began to ring. It was such a big deal. Close that window. It was such a big deal. The story was written about in the local papers. Can't be doing this. Now, press is usually not a good thing for an identity thief. But one story took a different path. A scientist who was a former student of the actual Dr. Hammond Uh was sent a package from Boston. The package was padded with newspapers to keep the thing inside secure. Sure. And he, while unwrapping it, noticed the story. Which he then sent. So wait, so yes. he's literally like th- randomly someone has thrown newspaper into a box, and he's like, "Oh, what a lovely!" That's like not a guy, him. like a guy's opening up a box with a vase in it, and it's wrapped in newspaper, and he takes out the box, and he's like, "Wait a minute, I know that man." So the thing in a movie that you'd see and be like, "I'm out of here." <laughs> so that guy uh, sent the story to Doctor Hammond. Dr. Hammond vowed to take action and was upset, but was apparently very lazy, and he just never told authorities. What? That. He's that lazy? He, I can't, I can't imagine. Alzheimer's is the only excuse for this. I mean, so Fred took the name of Brother John and spent hours telling his fellow brothers about the adventures he had taken in India, Japan. In his mind! India, Japan, and Tibet. <laughs> Just making shit up. Yeah, that's great, though. Then I was you know they have a very rare tea in Tibet that is made out of a monkey's finger (laughs) that uh, we would drink every day after yocha, uh, which is soup time, which they have every morning at nine forty-five when a bear blows a whistle Uh, and you go down a water slide into a soup factory. Yeah, Andy, you have a question. Yeah, it's not Andy. Oh uh, yes, you there then. Who? Sinjin? Sinji? Sinji, yes. Hello, Sinji, yes. Uh, Oh, I didn't notice. Those not words. Huh? What part are you from? That's the problem right there. Uh, Sinji, I don't mean to call out a liar, but Sinji, my guess is you've never been to some of the places that I've been to. No, no, no. You've never heard a bear blow a whistle and then gone in a water slide into a soup shop? No. Well, I I don't know. One of us is lying, and I'm the one on stage, so I don't know what to tell anyone here. Why, why are you on stage? <laughs> huh? I love a spotlight. <laughs> I love to dance. So he also helped the seminary figure out the bureaucracy of becoming a registered American college. It turns out he was good at navigating bureaucracy. So once again... With the right system, <laughs> this mind could be valuable. Oh, yeah. So once again, the time for him to take his vows came, oh. but he was first sent to Grand Falls, New Brunswick in Canada to study theology and prepare for his vows. So okay. he's, it's like some little excursion thing before you do the thing. Sure. You got to go up in sure. some sort of ritual situation. Some immersion. Right. So while he's there, a doctor was treating a monk for arthritis. Okay. And Fred was becoming very interested in medicine. So this doctor, Dr. Sire, heard that Hammond was a biologist before he became a monk, so he asked Fred for his advice with the treatment. Uh. Fortunately, Fred had an idea. He had just read an article about bee venom, uh. that it had been used to treat arthritis, and he told Dr. Sire, 
and it worked. Oh, God. Dr. Sire was now super impressed by Fred, who was not a doctor, but just a guy who read stuff. Let a bee sting him. (laughs) The two men became friends, such good friends, that when Fred returned in Maine, Dr. Sire asked Fred if Fred would bring his credentials across the border. Fred, back away. Dr. Sire was trying to get an American medical license so he could also practice in Maine. But... When Fred got back to Maine, he was, quote, too busy with other things to present Dr. Sire's case to the state medical board. Oh, he got swamped suddenly? Yeah, he got very busy all That's of a tough. sudden. That's tough. It's hard to be a fake brother in a <laughs> it's, teaching look, It's college. not easy to be a part-time monk biologist and a liar. When Fred got back to uh, the school in Maine, he found out the brothers had gotten their college charter, which he had helped them work towards, right? Okay. Great news. But then he found out he was not going to be head of the college as he had apparently expected. Oh, no. So Fred was mad and decided to do what anyone would do. He stole one of the brother's cars and drove to Boston. Right. I was going to say, whose car did he steal and where did he drive? From there, he took a bus to Grand Falls, New Brunswick. Why didn't... Uh, he, what, so he's going he back to ditched, where... Okay. He drove the car down and then left it and took a bus back up. So he's straight. I don't know. That's where he. You know, I don't like driving. He entered a Canadian Navy recruiting office and enlisted as a stop naval surgeon as Doctor Sire, whose oh credentials he had. He is enter- He's now a naval surgeon. I said, yeah, naval surgeon. That just means he can do belly button surgeries, right? Oh. Quote: I told them if they didn't take me in a hurry, I'd join the Canadian Army. They did the next day. They didn't even bother to take his fingerprints. Quote, one of the admirals on the selection board told me the processing that I went through in a day usually takes 10 weeks. So Good. because they wanted a surgeon so badly. Oh, they'll get one. And they'll have bees. <laughs> you know, bees always helped cancer. You know, some bees in that gunshot ought to help. Hey, quick, put bees on his chest. He's drowning. <laughs> I'm a bee doctor. Did I not tell you that? Come on. In 1951, he was assigned to a naval base in Halifax for two months. Uh, the cases were pretty routine, and he handled them all with confidence. So he's just treating soldiers on a base. Now. Sure. Yeah. Just a guy. A <laughs> yeah. guy is... A, a man who's using the secret to become a surgeon. He's not even just a guy. He, he quit school at 16. He's... Yeah, but Dave, you read a couple articles. He also treated some psychiatric patients. Oh, good. <laughs> Quote... You know, delusions of grandeur can be quite difficult on the psyche. (laughs) Quote, there's no mystery about psychiatry. Anybody with common sense could practice it. Mm. My wife would not be happy about that. Yeah, I don't Uh, think that's fair. Fred met a woman, a local, and they fell in love. Sure. She fell in love with Hammond, right? Or Sire. Oh, now he's Sire. He's Sire. Okay. Dr. Sire. Dr. Sire. They, They wanted to... Get married after Fred's tour of duty as Dr. Sire was up. It's going to be tough. Uh, he planned to settle down and start... Maybe I have eight names. I am so many people. Uh, you'll be a polygamist. They, so they planned to settle down, and he, and he wanted to start a medical practice in the area and start a family. In the area, I should add that this other doctor whose name he took lives... Well, he's in, the the same, he's in the same zone as the well, doctor who he it's stole? it's close. It's close enough that, like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, I mean... It's just really gleaming the cube here. I don't like it when you 
bring up. I'm yeah, sorry. the gleaming the cube. Okay. You know that. I mean, what is this? Pump up the volume. <laughs> But Canada was fighting in the Korean War, and Sued Fred was aboard a ship uh, aboard a ship headed to Korea. On the ship, Fred, a ship's doctor who was not actually a doctor, went about his doctor duties. Sure. He helped with routine treatments and performed small procedures. Crazy. One day, the ship's captain asked Fred to remove a painful tooth. <laughs> he had never done dentistry Eat before. Eat these bees! <laughs> He had never done dentistry before, which is odd. Him, well, him no, being. it's shocking. It's shocking. <laughs> and well, he, to be fair, he'd never done anything. anything so. Yeah. Everything's a first. But he managed to stall the procedure until the next day and read up, read up on it all night long. And it worked. He, Fred, you look tired. Are you sure you could do this procedure? Uh, yeah, it's just, you know, I, I really got into the Americans on Netflix last night. The hell's this man talking of? Time of travel, future man. Oh boy, it worked. You'd he think pulled. He'd come up with a better name with all the time he had in the future. He pulled the tooth of the captain with no problem and continued on as ship doctor. But not even he hasn't. And what I okay? Yeah, he hasn't done anything super crazy yet. Uh, a tooth uh, removal? I, I mean, that's crazy. But I don't think that I okay. feel like I could remove a tooth. Okay. All right. No. Can I try? It's super hard. Well. I mean, often they break apart. It's a whole fucking thing. Well, I'd love to have a shot. Okay. <laughs> I feel like you're really shutting it down. Where's your little seal? Let's do it. Well, I like that you call them little. He lost a pound, didn't you, buddy? I don't believe that. When the ship went to the Far East, uh, then the ship went to the Far East. While there, Fred enrolled in the General Medical Council of the United Kingdom. Quote, I don't know whether Dr. Joe Sire realizes it, but he is now a licensed to practice medicine and surgery, not only in Canada, but also in England, Wales, Scotland, and Northern Ireland. I'm doing him a solid. Thanks to me. Yeah. Plus, he's a dentist, kind of. You get work everywhere, buddy. In late September, as the ship was bombing enemy positions on shore, a boat carrying three injured men pulled alongside. They were brought on. One had a bullet in his chest near his heart. Oh, boy. And an operation was needed. Oh, boy. What? This is... He pulled the tooth. What's the difference? Yeah, we're talking much, much more treacherous situation. The ice is thinner. This was not great for a couple of reasons. First... <laughs> I can name them. <laughs> first, the ship wasn't equipped uh, to sterilize instruments. Oh. And second, he wasn't a doctor and never... Uh, operated on a person before. Right. Well, the second one's bigger than the first. I, I think. think the list might be backwards, yeah. Yep. I think the first one kind of encompasses most of it. Quote, practically everybody on the bloody ship was standing there watching me. Oh, God. Now, he had a philosophy. I mean, this is like real-world operation. He's playing the operation game. He is playing the operation yeah, game. don't buzz. So he had a philosophy for surgery. Did he now? Quote. The Lie! The less cutting you do, the less patching up you have to do afterwards. It's not a remodel. <laughs> it's not a bad. It's not a bad way to approach it if you're sure, not a doctor. But I just exactly. I just don't think doctors put those sort of restrictions on themselves. Right, but when if they're you're going into a surgery, but if you're not, not a doctor, you're right to say, "Look, less, I'm not good at this. The less stitching I have to do, yeah, the better." Let, how about I make fewer holes? Huh? 
He opened the chest above the heart and along the sternum. And he went, whoa, it's crazy. I mean, I've seen this before. So he didn't, I don't know how much time he had, but he, he would always run off and study really quick. <laughs> That, so, dude, he's like Superman. He, he wasn't just guessing. I think he ran and... Uh, re- Dave, I'm going to go ahead and say that he wasn't not guessing. But he quickly read a, a book on how to do it. Oh, look at that. Uh, <laughs> the diary is acting up again. Will you excuse me, two moms? Okay, uh, I just want to look at the aorta. Oh, it is... Boy! Ah! Uh, ah! Uh, one cigarette, then we start. Gentlemen, one private cigarette! Okay, How's he doing? Oh, God. Okay. He cut and bent a rib. And then I think he cut a rib. And then he found the bullet. Quote, I pulled it out and slipped some gel foam, a coagulating agent, into the wound, and it clotted almost immediately. Wow. It worked. Jesus. He nailed it and saved the life of the soldier. Everyone in the room cheered. Ugh. Twelve hours later, the bandaged soldier walked off the ship. Okay, he's a doctor. Now he's a doctor. He might just be a doctor now. Well, now he's a doctor. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, he's a doctor. I might go see him for some of my ailments that are in my pants. He's probably going to be very old, and I don't think you want him touching that stuff. Thanks for coming, Dave. The next week... Excuse me for a second. I need to make a long-distance phone call, and I'll come back and work on your dick. (laughs) Okay, I wasn't reading. Hello. (laughs) The next week, like a good doctor, Fred left the ship and went ashore to check on his patient. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Uh, As a not-doctor doctor, he was horrified by the conditions and lack of medical expertise in the South Korean aid station. I'm going to read that again. He As a not-doctor, he was horrified by the conditions and lack of medical expertise in the South Korean aid station. Does he get to be offended by the lack of (laughs) skill? He does. Because he just did surgery. I'm not against him. Being a Christian, he wanted to do something about the conditions he saw, and he started volunteering as a doctor at the aid station. Oh, he's totally lost in this delusion now. He performed tons of operations and amputations. Very quickly, he became well-known for his charity work. He was actually, they actually, they did this on an episode of MASH. They took this. Really? Yeah, they did this on an episode of MASH. MASH has always been one of those shows where I'm like, I don't like it just because. The first year and a half are funny, and then it's all garbage. Right, okay. Um, so uh, he he performs... I just can't believe he's performing amputations. I, I guess not hard to perform an amputation. But Dude, if you take a bullet out of a heart... Uh, yeah, okay. I mean, I'm like, at this point, you're probably like, quickly, tourniquet, hurry, let's move. Get that leg off. Throw it in the stump pile. Move, time is money. I'm almost a doctor! So he becomes well-known for his charity work in this area of South Korea. A South Korean military commander walked 17 miles to thank Fred personally. Oh, boy. (laughs) Okay. When the ship's public information officer heard the story, he decided to write something about Dr. Sire up for the dispatches. Okay. Fred was not down with the idea and tried to talk him out of it. Oh, no, no, no. I've no, never liked the limelight. Like it, you know. Please. <laughs> <laughs> I won't do it if Not you tell me, anybody. Please. I'll stop. The problem was, 
being mentioned in the dispatches was a huge honor, so he couldn't push too hard to be left out. Like the more push harder. Well, the more the more that he would say, "Don't do it," it would look suspicious, right? Uh, so I, he, after a while, he did as much as he could. But, but it's the lesser of two. You have to just be like, "No, no, 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 no!" I would would completely ruin my psyche. So instead, he tried to downplay his heroics when the when the. Guy talks to him. This is, and this is like a real him. Brewster's million quandary he's in. I mean, when I didn't, I opened the chest up and the bullet popped out. I didn't. Yes, really but you did it in front of everyone. No, but it, the steady hands of this man. No, I just it. it I hit him and it came out. Like That's a, not what some of the people around are saying. They're saying they're that wrong. your hands they're were delicate. I, I'm not. And a dentist to boot. So. The officer wrote up an incredibly dramatic story. Oh, boy. And included a description on the, of the operation on the deck of the ship. That caught the attention of the media corps, and it was then passed on to newspapers. All right. Bye-bye. <clears throat> the actual Dr. Sire then read about what he was doing in Korea and the surgeries aboard the ship. And unlike the last guy, he immediately called the authorities. Okay, good. Finally. The, the captain of the ship asked to see Fred. Quote, Joe, that's what Fred's first name is. <laughs> uh, okay. The doctor, Dr. Sire's name is Joe. Right, okay. Joe, I've got something here about you. It's a lot of rot. Somebody in Canada made a mistake. It's so embarrassing, I'm not going to read it to you. <laughs> because what else would you fucking think? The guy been doing yeah, surgery and... You saw him take a bullet out of a heart. He's got a fucking got a t- stump a pile. A stump pile yeah. in the... Yeah. You, so yeah. Fred Fred pushes him to read it. Fred's like, no, just read it. So the captain did. Quote, we have information that Joseph Sire, Surgeon Lieutenant 0-17669, is an imposter. Remove from active duty immediately. Repeat immediately. Conduct investigation report facts to Chief of Naval Staff, Ottawa. <laughs> so the captain refused to believe it. Sure. And was certain this was a huge mistake. He told Fred to go back on duty and he'd work it out. Now go back to bending ribs. But the captain was obligated to send Fred back to Canada. Okay. As he was flown back, newspapers began trying to figure out who the mystery man was. Sure. Sure. All his uh, aliases were discovered. Dr. Sire, (laughs) Dr. Hammond, Brother... John, Robert French, and many of the places he had worked were discovered, but they still didn't know who he actually was. So they still don't know that he's Ferdinand. They just know that they he's know, not six people. Yeah, they figured out everyone else he is. Right. <laughs> right. In a CSI yarned up room. <laughs> but it's... <laughs> They're like, I don't know! But his shipmates did not care. They sent him a Christmas card and said they considered him a friend forever. You're whoever you want to be, buddy. Fred said he could only think about his fiancée and didn't believe he could ever face her again after what he had done. Okay. And would she want to see Joe again anyway? Well, because Joe's not there. Canadian authorities began an investigation and finally discovered who Fred really was, as well as all the identities he had taken. The captain of the ship recommended clemency for Fred's stellar work. Wow. The Canadian government also didn't want the bad publicity that would come with a prosecution so in the end it was decided to just charge him for fraudulent enlistment and deport him back to the u.s that's quite a package and they paid his salary first 
Wow. So he ends up just getting money and, and sent back home. Yeah, he's, I mean, yeah. <laughs> You're not going to like the sentence. We're getting you out of here, but we're paying for it. It's a bucket of money. And your salary. And here's a hot meal. So he is sent to Blaine, Washington. Um, there, U.S. immigration officers were waiting for him and shook his hands. He's like a celebrity. He flew to Chicago and started hitting the booze. Okay. Quote, I guess I did a little drinking. I couldn't get the girl out of my head. I mean, you could have used her name. Sure. And I kept But thinking- he's probably a little reticent to use names. <laughs> <laughs> he's just got 80 names swimming in his head, and he's like, don't say any. And I kept thinking about how happy I was in the Canadian Navy. Oh, no. If only that story hadn't gotten into the newspapers, everything would have been all right. Mm, for sure. 30-year-old Fred, he's 30 years old. Oh, my point. God. He is I'm picturing a 50-year-old. Right? Yeah. He's lived a fucking life. Yeah. Many of them. 30-year-old Fred went back to live with his parents in Lawrence, Massachusetts. Again. How was your trip, dear? Very complicated. Tell us everything. I'm a surgeon and a brother. I'm a priest, surgeon, biologist. Oh, we're And a psychologist. Oh, we're proud of you, whatever you do. He tried to keep a low profile and would dash from the house to the car with his collar up and his hat pulled down to his eyes, hoping the neighbors would not see him. Okay. People sent him tons of Christmas cards, many urging him to keep his head up. So most people are like, I think because he was such so good at being a doctor that I think that people are like, well, I I the guy's great. It also screams of likability. It does. It's just probably a likable guy that you were rooting for. Yeah. And you, he, you were just like, look, he's got a gift. People sending him letters didn't know his address. They would just write his name and Massachusetts on an envelope and the post office would deliver them to his parents' house. <laughs> That's when you're fucking big. Yeah. It's a shame about the parents. Uh, and there... More fan mail, hon. There... You gonna do anything with your life again? No. Okay. Wait, I'm a butcher. Oh, dear. <laughs> so there at his parents' house, a reporter from Life magazine reached out to ask for an interview, and Fred was so desperate for money, he accepted. Okay. The papers had already written about him and were calling him fake Navy doctor. Fred He's figured... so much better. Yeah. Dr. B.S. Fake Navy doctor is awesome. Hello, I'm fake Navy doctor. How are you? Fred figured he uh, could now tell his side of the story. Finally. He also allowed them to take several photos of him. The article began, quote, Ferdinand Waldo DeMauro Jr. is a bright and lively young man who usually seems to enjoy life. He has a crew haircut and the build of a lineman on a professional football team, and he knows how to take a bored and indifferent hat check girl crumple with laughter. Make. Okay. So it's talking about how he's good with women. Right. It, it is... couldn't be less clear. But his father... He could have sex with a lady's hat if he tried. <laughs> But his father had another take on Fred. Quote, I love the boy, but I don't know him. He's a good, he's good and he's kind and he has a really brilliant mind, but I've never been able to understand him. I don't think anybody else understands him either. Hey, Dad, how'd the interview go? Good. <laughs> oh, cool. Weren't too honest, hopefully. <laughs> Very honest. <laughs> I don't know you. You know that he was probably just like, hey, dad'll, dad'll handle this. I don't even need to say anything. He's like, my boy's a liar. 
It's like knowing a board. Fred said his actions came from unbridled ambition. Quote, I guess they always wanted shortcuts, and being an imposter is a tough habit to break. Okay. I could see that. Yeah. I could see once you live that exciting life. I could see once you just say you have a different name, you're in surgery. You're like, yeah, this feels like a leapfrog something. <laughs> it's certainly faster. When the article was printed, the ending said, quote, Fred has disappeared once more, whether temporarily or for another exploit his family does not know. Fred was back on the road, working different jobs using both his own name and fake names. Then he started drinking. Mm. He was mostly upset the that he... One thing all his characters had in common. Oh, yeah. The one, uh, one thing he was most upset about was the fact that he had to leave the love of his life. Okay. In Canada. Oh, he's still pining for her. Who thought he was Joe. Then in 1955 in Houston, Texas, Fred applied to join the Texas Department of Corrections using the name Dr. Benjamin Jones. Can he not use a name? I mean, literally. So now he's like got just like some sort of problem where he can't possibly. Well, it sounds like he tried to live like himself. And he was like, ah, fuck it. I'm going to be Benjamin. Yeah, this will be better. Benjamin Jones. I'm a warden. <laughs> what do you think? Benjamin Jones was a professor from Mississippi. To increase the legitimacy, he applied directly to the head of the wrong department. To, sorry. So he's he, applying for a certain job in the Department of Corrections. Of Corrections. So he purposefully sends the application or resume or whatever to the wrong head okay, okay. of a department. So, so that he is, okay. So then that head sees that it's for the wrong department, and he puts it in an envelope and sends it to the right department. So it looks like it was a bit of an endorsement oh, wow. from the head of another department. That's really He's a smart. fucking genius. He's a fucking genius. God, if he went to school for something. He had to give eight character references, and he just wrote them all. Yeah, but come on. He, he is eight character references. <laughs> I mean, what? Yeah, I know eight people who say all this shit. Yeah, this is my friend, Dr. Rhubarb Paprika. <laughs> he got the job. Of course. Fred was assigned to be the lieutenant of the guard at a uh, prison farm. Yeah. Uh, but he, could, uh, he couldn't take the environment of the prison. There was too much violence and the guards were racist. So he transferred to the prison recreation department. He performed well and was soon made deputy warden of a new prison called Shamrock. He is going to be a warden? He's a deputy warden. That's still pretty high up. The prison was designed to keep the most violent inmates from the rest of the prison population. Wow. Also, he succeeded. Didn't hurt that he now had a, he had a, like a knowledge of psychology and was a bit of a sociopath, right? Yeah, I'd say both are fair. Oh, and he would also dose the violent prisoners with tranquilizers. It's a fun technique. <laughs> Boy, they seem way calmer since you've been feeding them those special mashed yeah, potatoes. Yeah, oh yeah, that one, uh, the one drooling off of his face Well, there, the two are drooling uh, into each other's yeah, faces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I swear to God, those guys have been holding the cards without anyone betting for at least 30 to 45 minutes. Yeah, it's pretty quiet in that's here. A, that's a game of murderers. Yeah, pretty quiet. I don't know what your secret is, whatever the hell your name is, but uh, you're the prisoner whisperer. I just talked to him. My name's, uh... Uh... 
Long pause to find out what your name is. Oh. Well, oh, I like your style. Yeah. Everyone, <laughs> Warden, oh. Okay, see you later. Hey. Uh, I have a hankering for some mashed potatoes myself. But then one of the prisoners mm-hmm. read the Life magazine article about him. Jeez, dude. It was probably just sitting in the library somewhere, right? Well, I would. you'd think he would do a once-over on that. And he told prison authorities. Okay. Fred was then confronted by his superiors, and in true Fred fashion, he denied everything. Sure. Smart. So in the prison, they take him inside. They would, What's going on? What is all this shit? Who is this guy? He says, I don't know. It's all fucking horse shit. And then he leaves. He goes to his room. He packs up all the shit, jumps in his car, and he takes off. Okay. I think that's an admission. In 1956, Fred landed on North Haven Island in Maine as Martin Godgart. Wow. This kid's really going with the aliases. Martin was the new English and Latin teacher at the local high school. Okay. <laughs> wow. Soon Martin was popular in the community. So Which one? He's fucking living, and everyone loves him, and he's great. He's a good teacher. All the kids like him. The parents like him. He's fucking... Sure. But all was not well with him. He started drinking heavily again and began to make indiscreet comments. I couldn't figure out what they were. In school, you mean? But just around the town. Right. So he's just kind of probably... Well, he's, but you've seen the... You know how drugs talk. I don't know. Yeah. I... Say, I like pussy. Well, when a drunk turns, like when there's when you oh, deal yeah. with an alcoholic and yeah. there's the turn where it's just like all of a sudden your buddy is just like, eh? Come on, let me hit you in the fucking face. Yeah, like, that all right. Of, well, let's yeah. get the check and yeah, get out of here. Totally. And you know, also, like, like I, I had a, I had a friend in, uh, he was a comedian in New York, and he would get really drunk, like shit faced drunk, and then he'd be gay. Oh, so wow. he's like totally yeah. straight, and then when he's really and like like he would try to kiss every yeah like try to kiss every dude, yeah. So I imagine if you're living this alternate life when you get hammered, well, honestly, the, the comments you, are, are 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 yeah from you right yeah. that you're mad at yourself for what yeah you do. yeah totally. So people became suspicious, and for some reason, I, I, again, I don't know why. The mother of a student ordered a copy of the old issue of Life magazine. So she must have read about the story and she then remembered thought, it. like, is this guy? And then anyway, she gets a copy. She, again. She quickly realized Martin was actually Fred and then tricked him into leaving his fingerprints on a drinking glass. Wow. So now she's like fucking deep into some CSI shit. Well, look, she sees him and she's like, he's a biologist professor monk who's never done anything. Why can't I be a forensic pathologist yeah but who in this day and age knows to get fucking fingerprints from a glass like that's all i know that from television i don't know probably tv okay she then sent the glass to the fbi and on march 14th 1957 fred was arrested again wow but the judge only sentenced fred to two months probation for not having a legitimate teacher's license it's pretty because what else could they get him on really if you're pretending to be a teacher, yeah, right. What yeah. have you really done? Right. You really want to make an impact on? They're like, well, mm. I, Your Honor, I just wanted to teach Latin. All That's right. All. Well, I find you non guilty. Eh? There's a cat on two feet. Yeah, well, he's prairie dogging, buddy. After that stint, 
Fred drops off the radar. There's rumors for a while. Some believe he spent six months in a prison in Canada. In 1959, Robert Crichton published a biography about Fred called The Great Imposter, and the book was a bestseller. It made Fred DeMara a household name. Uh-huh. Of course, Fred took advantage of his new fame, taking a small part in a horror film called The Hypnotic Eye. Sure. Which now I want to see. Sure. Fred played a surgeon in the movie. Oh, well, the familiar territory. <laughs> but he quickly realized he didn't like real acting. Oh, is that right? Because it's not the same rush. No. Being a surgeon in a movie is not the same rush as pretending you're a surgeon uh, this and dude, cutting open yeah. a Korean well, guy's Well, he chest. realized that he could be whoever he wants to be without a crew around. He also appeared on Grouch, Groucho Mark's game show, You Bet Your Life. Oh, I used to and love there, watching reruns of that show. And there's show. video of that. We'll really? We can post that, yeah. In 1961, The Great Imposter was made into a movie with Tony Curtis playing Fred. Wow. Fred was unhappy with the casting. Quote, he looks nothing like me. Well, okay, Fred. Uh, to be fair, you've taken people's names before and not known what they look like. So, And he really uh, didn't look like him because Fred had now put on a ton of weight, which was affecting his health. He doesn't look anything like me. I'm fat and drunk. <laughs> <laughs> He's good looking. Fred then got a job as a counselor in a homeless shelter in downtown Los Angeles for several years using his real name. Have you tried using other people's names? <laughs> you can get jobs through that. Yeah, it's a great way to get hired. Yeah, just pick a guy that you want to be in this town and be him. Yeah, yeah. you can just be anybody. You can take over his house. You can do whatever you want. I'm Governor Pete Anderson. No, Well, don't it is start. an honor, sir. Don't start as governor. I'm the governor of the United States of a That's president. That's not a thing. I declare all people. What? Oh, there he goes. Then, in 1967, Fred DeMara actually got real credentials, getting a degree from a Bible college in Oregon. So when are you going to talk about the real credentials? He got a... He got a job as a chaplain in a hospital in Anaheim, California. Now, that's where you wear a priest collar, have a cane, and you walk around with a little mustache without talking, right? I believe so, yes. Okay. Three years later, the hospital learned of his past, and he was almost fired. But because he was now actually using his real name and had legitimate credentials, the chief of staff vouched for him, and he kept his job. That, that is so important, because if you teach him there that he can st- be succeeding under his own name and still be fired, you're asking for more That's, impo- impossible. That is moments. correct. Yeah. That is correct. Yeah. Fred rarely discussed his past, but he was incredibly unhappy living as himself. His doctor said, quote, he was about the most miserable, unhappy man I have ever known. Wow. In 1980, Fred's death, sorry, Fred's health deteriorated to the point he could not work anymore. Uh, in the hospital, he switched from chaplain to patient, and he died in 1982 at the age of 60 from complications due to diabetes. Wow. He had lived as a Trappist monk. A that must doc- have been a weird eulogy. We've lost eight of our closest friends. <laughs> He lived as a Trappist monk, a doctor of psychology, a dean of philosophy at a small college, a law student, a zoology graduate, a career researcher, a teacher at a junior college in Maine, a surgeon in the Royal Canadian Navy, an assistant warden at a Texas prison, and a teacher in a Maine village. That is crazy. Hero. That's how you, that's how you do it. 
That is how you That's do how it. you skirt the system. That's how everybody should be doing it. Just dream Nobody, big. Nobody, just take it. Dream big. I'm the governor be, of the United States. You know what they say, America, you can be whatever you want to be. Mm-hmm. Literally. And and now more than ever, it yeah. seems like you can, I mean, swing for the fences. Go all the way. You know? doesn't matter. Don't take, don't take shit from anybody. Do not. Go out there and grab life by the pee. Locker room talk. Uh, we sign P. We sign that. I can't believe that guy. <laughs> wow, the nerve. Oh, hey there, everybody. It's Gareth, you know, from this uh, this podcast. Uh, listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy, the Gareth Army, to join me for. I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow, September 13th, London, September 15th, Dublin, September 17th, and September 19th, Manchester, Birmingham, September 20th, Bristol, September 22nd, and Cardiff, September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide, November 16th. Canberra, November 17th. Brisbane, November 18th. And then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it after it. Let's see you there. Hey there, people listening to The Dollop. Uh, this is Gareth. Yes, this same guy. I Listen, I have a new podcast called We're Here to Help that I'm doing with my friend Jake Johnson. It's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't, but we try to help people with problems that are important to them. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts, and it is out right now. So go listen to We're Here to Help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help with Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it, but either way, fun half hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd, and the episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help 